Hey everyone, it's John Kerwin here and I'm really excited as this is my podcast called Open Minded. This podcast is interviewing inspirational people from all walks of life. You know, I want to give you the real stuff that's happening every day in the minds of these leaders, how they stay well in high pressure roles, how they build resilience in themselves, how they look after their people, and how can you invest in yourself and your people to do mental well-being well. So this is JK and this is Open Minded. So let's go. Well, welcome back, people, to the Open Minded podcast, and uh, really excited to have Joe Damon with me, or Joey D, as he's known, raised in Wainui Amata, people, Wainui Amata, um, the 25-year-old Fijian Māori comedian, is barely four years into his career, but he has sold out the Sky City Theatre, been on TV, and is about to have his own web series shown in the UK. He has had slots on shows like Have You Been Paying Attention in Seven Days?, He's got his own podcast and acquired a huge fan base online. He's also been a recent star on Celebrity Treasure Island, which I want to talk to him about. He's had some major turning points in his life, and he's talked about previously having imposter syndrome, which I identify with uh, straight away, and also self-esteem issues from a young age. So him and I have got a lot in common. We're going to cover a lot of that stuff um, during this interview. Joey D, can I call you Joey D, mate? Is that all good? As long as I can call you JK. As long as I can call you JK. No, we're done. We're we're all over that. (laughs) Um, Mate, tell me about some of these turning points. We'll jump straight into it because I think that when I looked and did some research on your stuff, you you often talk about these turning points. So when you when you get to one, what are they? They're painful. And then what do you how do you assess them and what do you do about them? Yeah. So well, first of all, JK, like appreciate you having having me here brother like it's i've looked up to you for a very long time um no not not long enough that i ever saw you play rugby Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was a bit worried when she told me that you're related to kt kautanana yeah oh yes that's i've i've heard some rubbish mate and i i'll just say i love your work i love your work does he take credit for your sense of humor does he say oh you get that off uncle carl or you know, you know what's funny is like I do credit my uncle and aunt, so my um, uncle Carl and my auntie Karen, his wife. I credit them a lot for um, for a lot of my humour, because like as you know, as you know, J.K. Like they're the biggest, they're the biggest piss takers. Apologies for the swears, but um, they like there's never a serious moment with them, and um, and I've spent so much time with them growing up, like lived with them for a couple years and some really really tough times in my life, and man, they made it easy and. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I genuinely do do credit them for a lot, not as much as my uncle will probably say. Like he'll probably take even more, even though I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, man, like I've I've had heaps of, I've I've been lucky to you know, and I consider turning points like, you know, a a, a bigger blessing than kind of anything you can ever think of because, um. You know, obviously, it's, it's just you really coming to a lot of realizations in your life. And so my, my biggest one, I would say, was uh, middle of 2017. I had just come back from um, from doing a bit of traveling and I was about 21. I was about 21 at the time. And uh, it's, it's one of the biggest realizations that I think like a lot of like not only just Māori and Pacifica men in general, but like I think a lot of like small town people will really relate to is that you kind of look around to your environment and you look at the people around you 
and you look at where you are and, and how you see yourself and then you think about where you want to be and it's like a really really big you know and super tough moment where you kind of admit to yourself like these things aren't lining up and you know it was a case for me where I was looking at my mates and these are these are guys who have been mates like my entire literally my entire life since we we're kids since we we're, since we we're babies and you know, I was looking at the the people I was spending time around and the things I was doing. You know, I was I was drinking a lot and wasn't really too focused on doing really anything like constructive with my life. But I knew what I wanted to do, and so that was a massive turning point where I, I the the biggest catalyst of it was was cutting off my mates because it, it was a big realization that I'm being influenced by a lot of the people around me to live a life that I know I don't want to live. And so the first thing is going to have to be breaking away from that. And then I'm going to be able to start from zero once I do have that little weight off my back and really figure out like what it is I want to do with my life. And it was, bro, it was like one of the hardest, it was one of the hardest moments of my life because how do you sit around, you know, seemingly with kind of, you know, no mates and, and kind of no family and you're just really sitting there like, well, what now? And so I would say that was the first and, and biggest turning point of my life was, was that moment there. I think it's really interesting because through my depression, I went and saw my mum and um, she said, you know, I said to her, I feel dead inside. And yeah. she said, well, the good thing about your dead is you're still here and you can start again. Yeah. But it was amazing for me that I didn't think I could. I thought I had to bring my past with me. Now, mm. I, didn't, I didn't have any issues with my past, but from that day on, I started again. Yeah. So what what sort of you know if someone's listened to this podcast and they go well what what was your first step then so once you've come to the realization and i always say to people actually realizing something is the first point of call once you've realized it sure then your your first step is yeah what was your first step what would you advise people to to do that's a real good question bro like how it went in my head was I had that realization. I had that realization that my life is not where I want it to be, and and I'm not living a life that's like that's mine really. And so the first step, the first literally the first thing I did was I genuinely like made a list and I wrote all the things that are making me feel bad about myself like in this time. And I didn't just keep it to you know my own like insecurities because I know my own insecurities. I think about them every single day. And, you know, I know them deeply, uh, but what I thought about was, okay, what are the things externally of me that are actually making the problem worse? And I remember just thinking about how, you know, sometimes I'd be around my mates and this is, you know, classic like Kiwi, Kiwi led behavior. I like had become so used to just feeling like leaving our interactions together, like as a group and just feeling like, you know, the biggest idiot and feeling like the biggest loser, just because like what our, you know, what our humor and what our attitudes are towards each other is, you know, it's, it's a complete like disregard for, you know, what you may be feeling or going through and humor and, and Kiwi culture in particular is just, you know, finding your mates insecurities and using that as their nickname. Like it's, <laughs> it's all that kind of stuff. And so I, I just realized that a, a big like, um, pinnacle moment for me was I remember I told the boys like what one of my biggest dreams was and it was about like it was about something random like I don't even think it's anything I'm particularly into but um I remember it was something to do with property development and I was like you know boys I want to be a property developer and I remember they just like roasted me and roasted me 
And um, and I and that feeling came through, but it was a really clear indicator that went off in my head where I was like, okay, this is where the feeling's coming from. Like even when I'm trying to like be vulnerable and talk about something that's fairly easy to talk about, which is your dreams. I can't even talk to these guys about it. So admit, so like of course when I'm struggling, that's gonna like it's gonna be near impossible to talk to them about it if I can't even talk about when I'm feeling good. And so that was a big, big realization for me and that was one of the things I put down is like what's making me you know feel the way I'm feeling and then once that list kind of stacked up I then turned it into a to-do list and created actions that I needed to you know needed to go through with each of those things in order to take control of my life back and you know when it came to figuring out that my mates weren't were good for me and they were making me feel a certain way my action became okay I have to basically cut them off and I don't look you know looking back in hindsight like it wasn't necessarily maybe the best solution but it was just it was just a solution that I found for that problem and I just did that for all the problems that I could and I didn't think you know I didn't think about five ten years ahead I just thought okay what do I need to do right now just to get all this stuff off my shoulders so that I can start from zero and then I'll slowly just build everything build everything back but I'll be able to do it without any of this pressure on me to to do it a certain way. Why, why do you think, and this is a really, really important discussion because, you know, I often talk about reaching out and, and talking to people, but sometimes you get shit back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So why, why do you think your friends were like that? They, you think they had the realization or not the realization or the internal fear to try and be something a bit bigger or different? <laughs> You know what I really, what I realized, and, and I had no idea about this, like, you know, back then, but I've learned it, like, as I've gotten older, is they were just going through the exact same things as me, and, you know, a lot of those attacks on your own insecurity come from their own insecurities, and I know it's such a cliche thing to say, but something that I've been talking about a lot lately is that when it comes to, like, men, and I'll speak, like, um, I'll, I'll speak, like, mainly for, like, I guess, young men that I know, so that's like young brown men. Um, is that in New Zealand we suffer from an inability, inability to express ourselves? And so if I think back to like a lot of the, the men that I grew up around, we don't have a, an awful lot of outlets when it comes to our expression. A lot of us, it is just rugby. I was lucky that I was into a bunch of different things. But because the things that I was into, which was like, you know, I loved movies, so I loved the directing and acting, and I loved like reading about all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't stuff that was really encouraged amongst us to, to explore, and it wasn't something that was considered cool amongst us. So it was never something that I could ever express openly. It was very much like a, you know, like a when everyone's gone and on my own thing. And so us as Kiwi men, we kind of put this, this, pressure on each other, that expression to us has to look a very specific way. And it goes back, you know, like I, I tie sort of tall poppy into this, but I don't see it as kind of tall poppy where anytime somebody speaks about something that they're happy about themselves with, or anytime somebody speaks about something that's a little bit out of the ordinary in everyone's heads, that's something that's to be shot down. And so because that's so normal amongst us, none of us ever learn how to like put ourselves out there in a vulnerable way, even when we're happy, like in a happy, vulnerable way, like a, Hey boys, I feel like, I feel like we should go like try painting or, you know? So of course, when you flip that, 
to, to a vulnerability that is based off of something that you're finding tough, then of course you have absolutely no way of communicating that if you couldn't even do it when things were good. And so that's that's what I've kind of drawn a conclusion to is I think a lot of my, you know, I thought to a lot of those boys that, that really gave me, you know, really like made my life a little bit difficult back then. And I thought about like how, what outlets do they have to express themselves at any point then? And it was, you know, it was nothing, it was drinking. Mm. So many of us get tied to drinking because it's the first time we can be ourselves uninhibited because at the end of the day, we can just go back and say, oh yeah, we were drunk, that's why I did that. So we have that built-in excuse. So we all for the first time feel free and that's why so many of us become tied to it. And so I just knew my mates were, were really suffering from that. And, and I look back at it in hindsight and I'm like, man, they, were, they felt just as trapped as I did. And the reason they... The reason they wanted to shoot me down for it was because they didn't want anyone to think that they were going through it too. So I'm, I'm maybe wrong, but yeah, that was. So it's it's really interesting you talk about this, and I, and I want to get I want to get back to this expression piece. So one I did a I did a program on television one called School of Hard Knocks, right? Yeah. So here's middle class white. I'm middle class white, brought up in South Auckland, you know, brought up around Pacifica, Maori. Um, never, but but I guess I still have a middle class white lens to it, regardless, right? Um, you know, my niece calls it generational racism, and so or generational prejudice, where you you look at something and you don't see it as any different. Mm. But it was really interesting because I walked in and these guys had their heads down. I mean, the the education system had absolutely spat them out. Some of them were, you know, they had ankle bracelets, yeah. but you know, they could. Um, write compose and sing a song in harmony in 20 minutes about the moment but they did not think it was intelligence yeah. how does that work exactly exactly and it's because the, the value of what they're doing there is, is so low in comparison to what they're expected to be doing and so you know a lot of those guys they have a view that's been pushed onto them where they can only contribute to society in one way and so if you're doing anything other than that then you know it's it's either not useful or you're wasting your time like I look at myself in in high school but like I like I said I was obsessed I was obsessed with movies I wanted to be a you know I've, I've been wanting to be a, a movie director and wanted to like direct productions and stuff and all that kind of all that kind of mess and you know a lot of people would just push me into the the rugby player you know I got pressured into just sort of just wanting to be a rugby player um, purely just because when you look at me, that's kind of the expectation of what you think is the value that I bring. And, um, and you know, anytime that I reach outside of that, then everybody's going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's not really you. And it's, it's something that I still face to this day, man. Like the early days of my comedy career, a lot of people saw me come into the scene and, you know, I had a lot of like very ambitious goals on where I wanted to be, but to them, I was just, you know, I'm just like a young sort of brown dude you know that you're here to tell jokes and then just leave again and just not take any of this yeah it's really interesting so i've i i love comedy so part of my mental health is i love to have a laugh um and i think comedy is a huge part of um keeping people well i often say to people you know if i'm feeling a bit flat i'll go and look at some comedy and that sort of stuff but when I did quite a bit of research on comedians, a lot of them seem that they struggle a lot and yeah. 
the expression is through their comedy. So, you know, if you think about what you've just explained, and I think about the courage that it must have taken, but shit, mate, comedy? Like, you could have gone to, like, something a little bit easier, my man. Like, so, so did you just go, oh, here I am, I'm going to break out, I'm going to make these incredible, courageous decisions and stuff, and I'm going to go into one of the hardest, hardest industries in the world. I mean, oh, did you just decide to go, wow, well, why not? But you talked about being wanting to be a producer and actor. So where did the comedy bit come in? So where comedy came in was I just took to, like, what felt natural to me and I think this is something that like so many of us you know shy away from is like we look at what comes natural to us and we look at like what we naturally are drawn to but we immediately dismiss that as as valuable and it come and it's kind of like that you look you look down on yourself so much and you think so low of yourself that you think anything you could possibly be good at could not be valuable to you know to anybody and I had the, you know, like I'd always, I'd always been pretty, like a pretty natural public speaker. And like, I'd always been pretty, like, you know, growing up around my uncle and aunt, you know, they're like one of the many in my family that are just like, to just crack up ass and just absolute piss takers. And it's an environment that like so many, so many of us grow up in, like you yourself included, JK, you would have grown up around heaps of dudes like, like that. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, but so I, we couldn't get we couldn't get away with some of the stuff that we used to say to each other, yeah. you know, in the chamber uh, room. Like there was there, there was it was just like brutal sometimes. Oh, right, I know. And, and so that that was just my thing, bro. Like I, I just looked at it and I was kind of okay. Here's something that I could. I have no idea if I'm any good at it. I've never done it before, but I feel like I have the natural skills for it. So I may as well just give it a go, and you know, we'll just kind of see what happens. And that's that's as simple as it that's as simple as it happened like I just looked at all the things like because I looked at myself and I was like okay I haven't finished uni the best job I can get is like cleaning graffiti off walls and I'm not even kidding like I was you know applying for jobs and stuff and couldn't get anything so I just sat back and I was like okay what am I like what do I feel like I'm naturally either good at or I feel like I could learn quite quickly and comedy was one of them and then I just you know I just dived into it because I was I was pretty much at the point in my life where I was like well, it's kind of going nowhere anyway, so I may as well just take a punt on this thing that I may be able to do. And it sounds silly how simple it was, but that was literally it. So when you when you um, started again and you wrote down that list, comedian wasn't on it, but what what was in that sphere? What did you write down for yourself that made you head in that direction? I had random ones. I had uh, interior design. Cause uh, my um, my auntie my auntie Helen, she was um, a ma- she like massive interior design enthusiast, and so while I was living with them, I used to always read interior design books and that. So I had like a massive interest in it. I was hopeless at it. If you saw my room, you'd be like, "What are they smoking in here?" But um, but yeah, so interior design was one of them. So I applied for the interior design institute. Um, and it was just because I had an interest in it. Rugby coaching was another. So I, I started coaching a rugby team, um, Varsity 85s, oh. Legends. Shout out to the boys. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a, had a bunch of different ones. I had a flight attendant. <laughs> but I think I wanted to be um, with flight attendants, not be one, but you know. <laughs> yeah. 
So tell me, like, this is just before we go forward. Yeah. You know, there's high suicide rates in Māori and Pacifica. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, people like yourself can make a huge difference. And what you just explained to me was really insightful about some of the things that our young people need to do if they yeah. feel trapped, right? So what, what, why do you think, how did you deal with your low self-esteem? Because having the courage to actually make that break means that at some stage you said, I'm not happy with my self-esteem. I've got to do something about it. Yeah. It was, it, it was really like a, a point in my life where I was just like, you know, I consider my value so low and I consider myself genuinely like not good at anything. Like if you, if you had asked me, I wouldn't have been saying it in like a way to, you know, to like, you know, try and like get sympathy. Not that that's at all what, what people um, try and do, but I, I genuinely like couldn't tell you like what I was any good at and what I was, you know, valuable for. And so that was really the catalyst for me to be like, well, I'm going to go find it. And, and I, and, and I don't know if that's something that was like, you know, innately in me as, as a person, or I, I just had a moment where I was like, I genuinely don't feel like I'm giving anybody any value in my life. So I'm going to go look for it. And I'm going to go find like what that is. And that was really the push. That was really the push for me, man. And it was a, uh, it was a determination to really prove to myself that like, nah, there must be something, there has to be something. And, and that was, yeah, where, where it really started from. The, the other thing that really intrigues me is, you know, um, how do we distinguish between the great humor, which you've been brought up with, and the dangerous humor, right? The, the digging at your self-esteem, yeah. um, you know, pulling someone down, because I think I absolutely love being around KT, being around Pacifica, being around Māori, because their humour is very, very special. I mean, you don't need to go to a comedy show sometimes. You just need to sit around with these people. <laughs> but the stuff that I deal with is, is normally on the positive side of humour. I mean, how do we distinguish? Because I know that a lot of Māori and Pacifica do use humour in moments of crisis exactly. as well. So yep. how, do we what, how, do we how do you distinguish as the receiving end of it? Like JK, it's the it's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing because, uh, you know, drawing back to that expression thing, for a lot of like Māori and Pacifica, our humour is the only form of like any genuine expression that we ever get. So the reason like Islanders and Māori are so ruthless when they're making fun of each other, is because that's their real feelings coming out for the first time. Because when you think about both of those cultures, we come from a place of like. And, you know, there's an intense, like, hierarchical respect for not only, like, our elders, but for authority. And that's something that's pushed onto us by our, you know, not only our parents, but grandparents and stuff. And so we're constantly discouraged to ever, like, speak out about, like, how we truly feel in, in any kind of environment. And so that's why the humour is the thing that comes out. Um, as, and it comes out so blunt and, and so like, you know, and ruthless and it hurts so deeply when when they do come after you because that's the first time they've ever been spoken to about it because you get a group of Islanders together and you let them have a laugh and joke about and, and joke around 
and they'll tell you all the secrets in the world, all their insecurities, and that'll be everybody like being open and, and you know, just cracking jokes and stuff. And you'll really get to hear like people's thoughts and stuff. But you get a group of Islanders in a serious circle, a group of Māori in a serious circle, young in particular, and you ask them like what their genuine thoughts are, their genuine struggles, but you'll be struggling, you'll struggle to hear a peep. They won't say anything. And so we're the, you know, the when it comes to like distinguishing the difference between um, what's what's hurtful and, and what's safe, is genuinely I would say if if you if you have an experience with a Pacifica or Māori or just a brown person in general who whose humour is genuinely like cutting through, take that as a really really clear sign that. Uh, that they, that they may have something that that needs to be spoken about on a on another level like i know i know for me like you know i do i i do i, I try not to do it as much anymore but i used to and that my real thoughts and feelings i put them out as jokes so that we could all laugh about it um but then if anybody ever stopped me and said like do you actually think that it would really bring me back to like what i truly think think and feel about it and i'd be able to talk about it openly so but don't we don't we just Joey, don't, don't we just need to educate? Because often when I look at, at you know, at, at Māori and Pacifica, why, why, why should you change the way we are? Why can't we just educate around listening sure. properly, right? Why, why would you have to come to the Palangi way or something, you know? Yeah. Why yeah. can't we just say, like, what the insight you just gave me was amazing. And why should anyone change to other ways if that's the way? Maybe we just need to teach our our elders or our leaders or you know people who are leading like you just to understand and listen and take the moment i don't know no i I fully agree i honestly fully agree and that's why like the what i was talking about before with the you know if you feel like slighted or you feel hurt by like what's being said then there's a bigger conversation and that has to be had on where it's coming from as opposed to like you know what and like what's being said because i think that's like where a lot of I think that's where a lot of like dialogue gets lost and it gets lost in how things are said instead of like what's being what's being spoken about. If you like listen to a lot of island islander humor and a lot of like Maori humor, a lot of it comes from very like deep place, places of pain. And it's gonna offend like a lot of people. Like my humor offends a lot of people. But like what I always say is like and then think about like what I'm speaking from, don't don't think about what I'm saying. Um, and then, like, we can have a, a like a real conversation where we can both learn about, you know, what's being spoken about, and and so that's that's like the biggest thing I would say say from it. Yeah. Um, um, some amazing, some amazing things. Make a list, um, which will help you take control. Just start. Yeah. You know, try anything. You're talking about being a. I wouldn't want you serving me bloody coffee on a flight. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> what about cookies? You know, um, try anything. So, so you've done these amazing transformation and courage, courageous things. I mean, but tell me, um, when did you start trusting your creativity? When did you start saying, shit, I'm worth something here? It's um, a, a really good question. I think um, probably it would have taken about two, it was probably about two or three years into my comedy career. So I've been doing comedy for about, yeah, close to five years, but yeah, about four-ish years. And it probably took me about half that 
yeah, half that time at least to, to really build up the trust in myself. And I think like, I don't know, I wish I had like a way more like, you know, dramatic and like instantly applicable answer, but it was really just the act of doing and the getting into a routine of, of doing it that, that got me to that point. But what I will say is you've got to get yourself to a place where you're working on something that you actually enjoy because the routine and the process of it for me was so fun and so easy that I didn't even feel like that's what I was doing. Um, and, you know, so many of us, we think of like routines and we think of like, you know, we hear things that we need to do to make our life better or to help us get to certain places. And we're like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. There's something out there that's going to make you want to do it. So find that thing. And and I I was just lucky that I found that thing. Yeah. I don't, I mean, that was inspirational, mate, because doing is what you need to do. Yeah. Right. So you're doing it, right. And you're doing it. And I'm really interested in this because, um, you know, people say to me, oh, you scored the try against Italy. I hated it because I was waiting for the coach to drop me. I was never good enough. You know, I'm thinking, oh, should have changed the ball from this hand to that hand. I mean, um, you know, and I say to people, did you think I was good enough? And they go, yeah. And I said, it didn't matter because I didn't, right? So, yeah. you know, w when did you start um, conquering the, the, the imposter syndrome? And explain that to me, what it felt like in you. Damn. I think the, what, what the imposter syndrome felt like is it genuinely felt like a, and JK, like, I would love to hear like how yours felt on this because mine felt like I'm sitting in a room looking around at all these people and I'm like, I'm, I'm nowhere near any of these people and where I need to be. And it was just a constant feeling of like, you know, I don't deserve to be here like oh, I've got to do my, my thing is I I really suffer heavily from comparison and I think the only way I've made it like you know any sort of beneficial in my life is I've always compared myself to people that are way better than me and so in one sense it's always kind of you know swayed my confidence and 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 hurt me because I'm comparing myself unrealistically to people that are just light years ahead of me but I guess the one benefit, benefit that's come from it is that it pushes me so hard to chase them. And I know it's not like a, I know it's not something that's conducive long-term to like me being, be, me being able to feel satisfaction within myself, but that's just, I guess, the, a coping mechanism that, uh, that I've used with something that I've struggled with, which is the comparison. But that's, that's literally what my imposter syndrome felt like, was like a genuinely looking at each and every person and, and comparing myself one-on-one -on -one with each of them and being like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm nowhere near any of them. Like, how was yours? Like, what did yours feel like? Yeah, mine was about luck. So I, um, I, I call them my sharks, right? And, and the interesting thing about sharks, which is what you've just explained is, um, you know, my sharks. So for example, you, you talked about your sharks of comparison, right? Yeah. And the great thing about a comparison shark, it makes you swim bloody fast. Yeah. Like, but then when it starts eating you, it's not so good because it's always going to catch you. And then, you know, one, one thing I'd talk, talk to you about comparison, I'd say have inspiration from other people that don't compare. But what, what it felt like in me was I was lucky. When's someone going to find out that I'm not that good? Yeah. Um, and that came from um, a lack of education, always feeling dumb at school. So I had a dumb shark. I had an imposter shark, right? Yeah. Those sharks 
were, were driving me at times. Yeah. Right. I'll show you. You know, you talk, you called me dumb when I was fifteen. I'll show you now. I'm an all black. You know. Yeah. Then I got, then I got no joy out of that. Yeah. Or, shit, you know, I'm doing all these amazing things on the field. When am I actually going to get found out that I'm just lucky? Now, yeah. that, they were coming from a whole lot of self-esteem and a whole lot of other issues. And I guess my bigger shark is I didn't love me for, for who I was, yeah. right? And so that's starting a game. So that, that's how I felt. Um, I never felt, in, felt inferior because I was doing some amazing things on the rugby field, which is a real mm. contrast, right? Yeah. This, is the, this is the problem that goes on with your head. You're sort of saying, why are you feeling like that, you idiot? Like, you're really confident. Like, I used to say to Foxy, Foxy, just give me the bloody ball, mate, you know? And then on the other hand, I'd score an amazing try. And then I've got this, this other yeah. side of my brain saying, oh, you're just lucky you're going to be dropped Monday, you know? So it was, it, 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 it was a complex, and that's why I call them my shark, right? Because, yeah. you know, they were chasing me, making me swim. But, but it, was also, it was also that emptiness of not actually loving me. I think exactly. it was also, a, and, and emptiness is the best way to, to, to sort of talk about it. So, so tell me... Um, you know, you often talk about your, your, your battle, um, you know, with drinking, but also overcoming depression. So we've got something in common there. What, what do you think was the key point where you started to fall back in love with yourself? Because people say, what's depression? I say it's complete fear, complete isolation, complete loneliness. And you could be a room of three or 400. Yeah. And you actually don't like you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like it's, you know, on that, on, on that comparison thing and the, the shark, you know, making you feel kind of, you, you hit like a lot of things in my head, a lot of, a lot of things on the head for me. Like, man, I, I was, I was at like, sorry, this is like a little bit off your question, but I was at, um, I was at my Sky City show like, a year ago, you know, 750 people there. And honestly, bro, like, and, and, I was lucky that I had so many of my good mates backstage and I was just talking to them like, man, this is, I've never felt worse in my life. Like, <laughs> it's crazy, man. And, and like, it's almost something now that like, I'm, I'm genuinely like, I'm, I'm not even shitting you, JK. Like I, I, I get embarrassed to talk about it. Mm. Like not even just how I was feeling in the moment, but I get embarrassed to talk about like that, like that whole thing in general. And because like, it was it was so weird like I've, I'd never like been faced with something where I was looking at it and it was like everything that I'd ever wanted and then all I could think about myself was like man I'm not good enough to be here and I'm not good enough for all these people to warrant like wanting to come you know be a part of this and I like feel bad inside myself that I've allowed these people to come and waste their time on that and it's yeah it's to be honest it's been like a massive but you nailed it, right? Probably, like, honestly, I didn't. Like, I really, like, I, I had a, like, I, I, I played two really, really average, average shows. Like, I nailed the, the perception that it went perfectly. But I guess in myself, I just look at it and I'm like, man, I just, I just did not do, I did, yeah. I, and, 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 you know, you, the why I'm bringing this up is because, you you kind of like rang a bell in my head about the the shark thing because I think yeah that comparison shark like finally ate me up in that in that moment and that was all I could think of and um and I don't know and I don't know if I was comparing myself specifically to anybody in particular but I think I was comparing myself 
to a version of myself that I wanted to be in that moment and I wasn't it and I wasn't that. And so because of that and because I knew that within myself, I was like, no, nah, I failed. And that was before I'd even gone on stage. And I went on stage because I was thinking about it. I was average. I came off. I was like, man, that was so embarrassing. And yeah, it's just been something that's like, I've, I've found really difficult to sort of put any words into my head about how I felt, but that kind of like, yeah, actually, I think, yeah. I, I think the way I started to deal with it myself was, um, you know, I can be average and good enough. Yeah. And that's okay. As long as I keep striving to keep getting better because what happens, what you explained to me was I'd come off the field and score three tries and have this hole in my gut, right? Thinking, shit, that was average. I should have, should have called, scored four, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, I always remember a psychiatrist saying to me once, you know, um, what do you actually want to be when you want to be Superman or something? And I went, uh, no. She said, well, you know, you've, you, you are out of touch with reality about what success is. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, was, that was really interesting because, you know, if you, sometimes you've got to listen to others, right? And so get, I, I had to get someone who I trusted and say to them, how did I play? And they said, oh, you did this well and did that well. They'd never say, so they told me what I did well and what I didn't do well. And I'd go, okay, I put those into two boxes. And it made it realistic because our insecure imposter syndrome, low self-esteem brains are never going to do that for us because we're never good enough, right? Yeah. And so I started taking it like you did. I started making a list of what a success looks like because I think that expectation shark that you have, you know, the reality is you can nail it and keep wanting to get better. I think that's where I've made peace. Okay, I come off at the end, right? And I go, this is when I'm through my problems and go, okay, well, what was that from a reality point of view? Mm. What was good and what was bad? And then I say, okay, cool. Was it successful enough for people to pay money for me and think I was good? Excellent. That's enough. I've ticked that box. Can I get better? Yes. Rather than saying, well, that's how I started to deal with it. But it was starting again. Right. Yeah. And and I think that's where I I think that's where I'm at. It's like I'm I'm at like a point. I feel like I'm back to where I was in 2017, where I'm kind of like starting again, to be honest. And it's because the battle's uh it's a different battle now. Cause back then it, it was really just all about like being able to get money because I was like completely broke. Um being able to, you know, have a career that I guess I could talk to my parents about because you know, like we had a lot of conversations where they were literally just like, like, what are you even doing with your life? Like people ask us, what are you up to? And we don't even really know what to say. <laughs> and so it was, you know, like I look back and it's like, it's very simple problems um, back then, but now it's like. Yeah, but look, man, I often say to people, hey man, I'm 56 and still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up, you know? Often we think there's an end. And I think this yeah. is another thing that was really important through my, through my depression um, I really don't give a shit about yesterday, mate, because I can't yep. change it. And tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen. So my goal is to be great today. And yep. if you just concentrate on that. So I think, you know, standing in front of 750 people at Sky City for two gigs is an incredible moment in your experience, buddy, backpack. Thanks, bro. You're never going to get that back. How good is that? Yep. Now, 
the perception is if you've got the courage to go out and say, was I good or bad and get a reality look at that, then that's just, man, I've got that in my backpack. Next time it's going to be 1500 or a TV show. And that, that that's really interesting because um, tell me about going viral because, and, and what, what that moment was like, because, you know, walking out in front of 60,000 people or 750 people is a way different feeling than going viral, right? Yeah. Yeah. Being viral is such a weird one, man. Like it, it, uh, being viral. <laughs> <laughs> Got my jabs, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, boys, if I cough, um, I'm sweet. <laughs> um, no, go, go viral is a crazy one because it's like, it really is, like people often talk about it, it's it's like a drug. Like you you, you experience it and you, you're seeing you know, you're seeing kind of all the feedback that, that you're getting and it's all coming like at once and it's a little bit overwhelming and you go through like 50 million. I was watching this documentary called The Social Dilemma and it, it talked about how like great documentary on Netflix, anybody watching. Um, and uh, one of the things that it talked about is that us humans, like we're literally not programmed to be able to handle that kind of like, we're not, we're, like our brains aren't, aren't even capable of being able to process like yeah. that kind of stimulation. And that's why like like when when you do go viral and when things do react well, like it's it's such like a high. But the problem is is that your expectation, like it much like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like I haven't really done like drugs in my life. So this is purely just coming from what my understanding of what it is. But it's kind of like you get yourself to a point there, but then that's like the point that it has to reach every time for you to feel satisfied. And so that high that you got felt so good, but you need to get there in order to feel, now you need to get there in order to feel like satisfied. And now, and then it gets to the point where you have to get there in order to feel like the bare minimum. And so it's just like a, at the beginning, it was such a, it was, I had like a really toxic relationship with it and that I like fiend for it and like really, um, chased a lot of validation through it but I'm lucky that now um, I'm lucky that I, I experienced it a little bit older than I guess most people would do when they start experiencing it because I've got to the point of it where I'm like now where I just kind of I really don't pay like I really don't judge myself too much based off of like what I experience when it comes to on social media and so now if people look at my social media it's a bit of a mess I just post whatever and um, but it's because I've got to a place now where I'm kind of happy with my relationship with it and I just sort of do whatever on there. And, and so how did you take control? Because I know a lot of, lot of our youth have, I mean, everyone has, I'm not saying just in our youth, but, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm reading some books at the moment, um, you know, just about how much time and mental energy it does take up looking at your phone and it does take away from creativity you know, I mean, you're in you're in the creative game. So looking at your phone all the time or looking at social media is not going to help you come up for sure. With those 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 inspirations that you need. So how do you take control? I, I found something bigger. I found something bigger that I wanted, and and I think that's 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 pretty much been the, like the answer for every single sort of moment in my life where I felt like I've started to progress and then I've stopped is that 
yeah, I, I just found something bigger um, and beyond myself to, to chase. And so I guess for me, like, there were just more things that, that I was that I was looking for in my life outside of social media. And that's not even just in a, like a personal sense, it, it, like when it came to my career, there were bigger things. And when it came to like my life in general, there just became bigger things. Like, you know, I've, I've got two younger brothers and a, and a sister, and I've got um, a lot of family that I, you know, care really deeply about. And so it was just like really putting it into perspective that seems to work for me every single time. And I know it sounds really cliche, but like that's that's honestly been the answer for me every single time. Um, yeah. This just came popped into my head. Have you reconnected with your mates? Yeah, yeah. So we actually have, and it, it was it was amazing, man. Like I um one of one of my, you know, he's he always has been one of my best mates. He's he's just had his second kid and the other you know another one's just bought his first house and um so we're all at such different stages of our lives now and it's been yeah pretty much five four or five years since we were all together and last time i was in wellington back home we all actually got together at my parents house and um they all got to meet my my partner i brought her around and um and it, it was just it was nice man and it was exactly that thing that i was just talking about like this there's now bigger things in our lives and you know there's 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 more important things that we that we all kind of have found within our lives now and so it was it was such a like nice full circle moment and it um you know just it hits home as to why i need to like keep putting things into perspective and remembering like what's really important yeah i also think we get taught this i think listening to you it's like listening to myself often it's also important to say congratulations to me. We talk about it a lot at Mentimea. You know, you've done amazing, right? But often, um, you know, with some of the traits that you and I both share together, we don't actually stop and go, well, congratulations to me. So, you yeah. know, there are times, although you've still got that shark that drives you, which is an important part of it, you also need to sit back sometimes and go, wow, what amazing courage and stuff I've shown, you know? Yeah. Is that or is that hard? I mean, it's the. It, uh, I, I would say it's the worst. The thing I'm, I'm worst at, and it's it's why I like putting things into perspective is such like a big thing for me because I'm so bad at it. Like after my second night at Sky City, like I like I, I felt so badly about how I went, and I was hating. You know, it it just I just did not live up to the expectations I had of myself. And so the gig finished at like 10, 30, 11, and I was back at my office at midnight and working till like five, six in the morning because I had pretty much, it was just like a, a, a back to work thing. You're now behind, you've got to get back into it. And so it's something that I've always been really, really bad at was stopping and smelling the roses. And um, yeah, uh, and I'm still bad at it now. And, and to be honest, JK, like I think of all the things that I, I struggle with, I really have no idea like what the, you know what my direction is when it comes to that just because every time i get somewhere i think about well i've gotten to this point if i slow down now then i may just lose everything that i've just just worked for or you know okay sure this is cool but all these other problems and all these other things that i'm still trying to like fight for that i'm nowhere near there so i have to you know keep pushing so yeah it's a uh, 
it's a struggle that I've that I've had for a long time and, and still very much suffer from. But you can learn it, right? Yeah. And, and you should. And I think that's really, really important because what I talk about is, you know, someone said, what was it like winning the World Cup? I said, it's the flattest feeling in the world. Um, right? So <laughs> you win the World Cup that night, have a few beers, really good, have a party. Next day, you feel like shit, you feel flat, you don't know what to do next, right? Yep. Um, yeah, isn't it, isn't it crazy? It's, yeah. it's literally like a, you, it's like a, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I never, I've never had that feeling so much more than after I've done something that I should seemingly be happy about, where it's like a genuine, what am I even doing with my life? What am I, yeah. Yeah, but I think those things are important. So the first thing that, that I got was that awareness. Okay, so I've achieved a really big goal and I've worked really hard. So I'm going to re- feel, feel flat. But then if you know it's coming, I don't feel flat anymore. I say, congratulations to me. I'm going to take three days off and really treat myself to whatever. And then I've got to restart. Yeah. You know, that's how I learned it. Because when it first hit me, I thought that it shouldn't feel like this. And so I did what you did. I just drove again instead yeah. of taking it. I've still got to drive, but you've just got to take a little bit of time out and go, I know this, I know I'm going to feel like that, but actually what I'm going to do is, you know, go back home or, fly somewhere or do something yeah. um, you know so tell me tell me joey what's next for you mate i know you've started a creation uh you know a content creation agency but t- tell me what what what's next yeah so that's that, that's kind of like takes takes up all all my time and the, the company's the company's actually been around for ages i've had it for four years and it's only really started to gain any kind of momentum like within these last sort of three to six months so um it's all sort of stuff related in there like you know as 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 you um said at the start which i really appreciate like we've got the the show bounces which i'll um co-direct and and co-write and my company will co-produce alongside um culture factory which is another amazing um like pacifica led and multi led um production company so we've got bounces which will be on comedy central uk um wow and, how did that come about so my, my good mate hanel harris who's like a, a amazing writer director she's like people don't realize but she's she's about to be like the next tiger and she's just on like the cusp of like about to blow up big time pretty much it was just it was it was just all her she like single-handedly willed it to happening like i brought her the concept um and all, all the ideas and stuff and and she just made it happen so I, I can't thank Hanel enough for for making that happen but yeah man so that, that's out next year which will be crazy um West Park my company we're about to do like a a, a TV network deal as well which um we're just finalizing now and just a whole bunch of random stuff but I guess for me personally like um yeah I guess for me personally I'm just like really trying to like my girlfriend's really pushing me to um go to therapy and and uh and just like really look at developing like myself personally because she hears all the ambition from me and she sees all the things I try and push for and her attitude is always like you know that's cool and all but like what are you doing for yourself she's always hitting me with it and to the point where like it 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 definitely gets like tough because you know it's something for me that I've found like a lot of personal gratification from and I like have always looked at it as something like, okay, surely everybody likes this. And she's just like, no, like, I don't really care about that. Like, what are you doing for you? And so 
their journey with her has been really tough but really amazing so I think that'll probably really be the biggest thing just listening to what my missus said that says that's that's really it <laughs> cool yeah well done mate that's good 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 uh good advice to heed mate but, <laughs> yeah, just... but, um connect up because i think going to get someone in our in your mental development's unbelievable and i've had some great people help me and you know i, I talk about um you know if your knee was bung um you know would you go to the butcher to get it fixed or would you go to the best surgeon in town if you could you know yeah. And we go to the best surgeon in town and our, and our brain's no different. And some of the learnings I've got and continue to get, mm. you know, um, about self-development, because I think some of those empty feelings that you feel, if you still feel them, it means that you do need to reconnect and understand them and you sure. know, get on top of them. Cause I think it's really, really important. Yeah. Um, so what would, what advice would you give your teenage self? 100% just, just be, just be himself. Like one of the things I did in high school was I uh, behind the backs of all my mates and like I didn't tell anyone. I was at boarding school and so I, like I would hide it from everybody. But I was teaching myself how to code, like how to like, how to make websites, just like basic CSS and HTML, like nothing flash. But um, yeah, I was teaching myself how to code and stuff. And and I was also running like a, a high school first 15 blog because I, I love rugby and I loved it back then, but I was like completely muddled it. And so I ran like a, a first 15 like news news blog, but I also ran that under a pseudonym because I was embarrassed about people finding out about that as well. And so I just did heaps of stuff, man, that was like true to me, but I did it with, I really did it without telling anybody. So my thing would absolutely be, just be open and honest about like who you are and, and what you enjoy because the you'll drive a lot of people away, but the, the right people for you will come to you. And that's what I find now is that whenever I put myself out there that I'm into something, like people just come to you that, that want to share that journey with you. And so just do it. Let's put yourself out there. It's going to feel scary and, and vulnerable, but you're going to find people in your life that, that will change it. And, you know, you can change it just by starting to do that. Okay, cool. So at Mentimia, that's awesome, mate. At Mentimia, um, we have the six pillars of well-being. I call it my daily mental health plan. So um, I absolutely live by these things. And people say, why do you put your mental health first? And I say, I'm a better husband, better father, better friend, you know, better workmate, but I'm, I'm a better me. Yeah. Um, and so I've built these into my life. So, you know, we've done heaps of research, work with experts. We know that if you if you do this in your day, you, you're going to improve your wellness and that sort of stuff. So I just want to ask you some questions. No. So what do you do to chill? What do you do to relax and calm your mind and be present? So before lockdown, it was always um, going to the movies. So um, when I was when I was growing up, before we moved overseas, um, we were living in Northcote, just literally across the road from Bridgeway Cinema, which is mm, awesome. uh, on the coat there. Yeah. So my my, um, my old man and my my old lady would just, they'd just take me as a little kid to the movies and I would love it. And so my girlfriend talks a lot about how like unlocking your inner child is a massive, massive way to like feel self-fulfilled. And so that that's just pretty much what I do is like, it's a thing that I loved as a kid. It's a thing that, that I love now. I, like I used to, yeah, I would just go to the movie theater didn't matter what movie and just like sitting there get popcorn and it would just always like bring me back to zero and so whenever I'm feeling down um I always tell people about this whenever I'm feeling down I 
head to the movies and it never brings me up to 100 but it always brings me back to to zero and I always leave and I at least feel a sense of okay I can go from here I know I know I know what I need to do to get back to to feeling like me so that that was always the thing nice how do you connect what do you do to connect with people I always so me, me and my mates we, we always will usually catch up for a beer like typically after work and we used to we used to do it about once a month it's it's getting hard because now heaps of my mates are, are moving away and stuff but yeah um one cool thing that we used to do is we would do a, a group trip me and my me and my 10 best mates who i met at uni we would do a one trip away together like every october and obviously it's been tough these last couple of years but that was um that was an awesome thing. So just getting into a routine with, with my mates is something that's really important for all of us because we're all so busy. And so having like a scheduled hangout meetup has been like really beneficial for me and, and I've loved it. And that's kind of been the way. What do you do for, to be creative and what hob- hobbies do you have? Or what do you do? Or are you learning something new? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've actually just... <laughs> this is real embarrassing, but... I've actually just started taking up singing lessons. Oh, well done, man. Awesome. <laughs> just to try it, just to honestly try something new. Like I, yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not planning on coming, becoming a musician or anything. Like I promise you, there's absolutely no way in hell I would ever, but um, I, I just wanted to challenge myself and try something different. So um, just sort of started taking up singing lessons. Um, it's super vulnerable and super embarrassing because I suck at singing, but um challenging myself creatively like that you know it, it was stand-up um and then it was writing and then because I've managed to mature in those places you know I wanted to find another thing to kind of dive into creatively that I that I suck at now and you know maybe one day I'll be okay at so the new one I took up I took up the guitar mate it sounds like I'm killing a cat but I love it yeah and I'm never gonna you know sing or play for someone but it's not about that right so how do you how do you move? How do you keep active? Spotify soon. Already. Already. <laughs> Sorry, brother. How do I? How do you move? How do you keep active? But playing basketball is always a, a really good one for me. Like I, I, I just like making exercise fun because like I used to love um, going to the gym and going on runs and stuff. But because like I'll finish days and just be like tired as the only thing that will kind of get me out of that feeling is doing something fun and so. Um, catching up with mates and going to go play basketball. Um, I, I used to play twice a week, and then during summer I play basketball and play touch. So just getting out and like running around with my mates is kind of how I keep active, and it's um, that's kind of been like my my sort of health and fitness um, focus really, as opposed to like going to the gym. And it's been really nice. How do you celebrate? How do you foster a positive sense of self or self compassion, finding fun? Man, that's. If there's any goal that I have for like the next five years, it's to really figure out like what my way of celebrating is. Because I couldn't even tell you. Like I don't, I don't celebrate big moments. Um, if anything, I usually shut myself off when something cool's happening because I don't want to feel like I'm being, um, you know, I don't like, I don't want to feel like I'm being celebrated, and so I usually like shut it off from people. So that's got to be my next thing that I figure out. Because yeah, you've made me realize like how you know, how much it's needed in your life. And, and I talk about it myself and I don't even do it. So 
you probably celebrate better with other when other people's successes, right? Oh, bro, for sure, for sure. When other people, yeah, when other people have stuff, like I, I feel like I'm really good at, at getting around that. But yeah, just myself, I'm no good. So, what do you do to enjoy for self care and things that you look forward to every day? I think just just having just having a bigger thing that that I'm chasing. Like for for me. Um, when I was coming up and I and I had sort of no opportunities and didn't know anybody in the industry, um, I also had no money, no like prospects or anything. I just had a dying passion to like, you know, keep doing what I was doing. But I remember desperately feeling like I just, if I just had one opportunity to get into the industry, like I would like absolutely, you know, kill it if I got the chance. And so my bigger purpose now was like being someone, being able to like, create and grant those opportunities to people and so I guess that's my thing now is like I've just found like a bigger and better purpose beyond myself and so chasing the ability to be able to do that is like what gets me excited every day and um so I guess that's my answer it's just finding something that you're passionate about and that makes your days exciting and I guess that's why I struggle to get caught up in like celebrating and stuff because the process of doing the stuff is actually what I enjoy I don't really like like the outcome but mm. And getting, yeah. and getting there is the fun. Yeah. So just as we bring this to close, mate, just some quick fire stuff. Who do you admire for having great habits around behaviours and, and well-being? Two, two guys. I really admire uh, Art Green. And, um, well, I'll say, I'll, actually, I'll say Art Green and Matilda. So, yeah, like people will probably know them as the, you know, the, the Bachelor and Bachelorette, yeah. you know, the TV couple. But, um Man, that guy lives such a, like, a, he lives a really, really full life, has an amazing relationship with his wife, amazing relationship with his kids, and his whole thing is always about, like, taking care of his mind and body, and he's a super, super healthy dude, mm. like, eats really healthy, but if he wants to go eat a pie, like, he will, if he wants to go do something, like, they'll go do it, he just lives his life by, like, you know, what do I feel like doing right now, and what's going to make us all happy, and he just goes... And does it? He he's somebody that I look at, and, and I'm like, he's put no restrictions on on his life, and he's really like experiencing it in the full way that it's supposed to be experienced. And so I'd say Art, Art and Matilda are doing that amazingly. Nice. What are you reading right now? I'm reading um, Seth Rogen's autobiography yearbook. Um, yeah. So it's just a collection of like stories from from growing up, and he started stand up when he was a teenager. And, um, you know, obviously becoming famous and stuff. So he talks heaps of stuff about that, and it's a real relatable book. And uh, yeah, it, anybody that is listening, you got to you got to grab it. What um, do you listen to podcasts? If so, what are you listening to? De yeah, definitely. So I don't know. Like I, I kind of work too much, so my podcasts I feel like aren't like super. In they're, they're they're amazing. So I listen to this one podcast called Startup by uh, Gim Gimlet Media, which is um and he just sold that it's about this guy who actually just sold his company to spotify for like 200 million Gosh. and the podcast is about him starting up that podcast company but like it, he's got he records like interviews and contract negotiations and all of that like it's it's like a podcast documentary oh, yeah. and it's, it's really really good and then the other one i listen to is industry standard by barry Katz, which is a it's just an entertainment podcast about the, the entertainment business and he just interviews like heaps of um really powerful like entertainment and media people and 
that's a really interesting listen as well. What keeps you awake at night? What keeps me awake at night? Honestly, man, like, yeah, worrying about like, so I like daydream all day and I, I think about things that, that I want to do and things I can't, you know, things I can and can't do constantly. And so I would say that that keeps me up like at night, not only the, the anxiousness of wanting to get there, but the ideas that will get me there. And so I just always have my phone by me and I have to like jot down notes and stuff. And if I want to get a good sleep at night, but that's, that's usually what keeps me up. What do you think's an open mind? I think an open mind, a, a lot of people like say an open mind to somebody that like doesn't have any judgment or doesn't like have any, yeah. But like what I've always thought of an open mind is, is somebody who has, who actually, they do, you know, have their own like ideas and they, they are, they do have the ability to be like judgmental but they choose not to be and they choose to see others for their perspective and where they're coming from. And I think a truly open-minded, open-minded person can speak with somebody directly that they disagree with wholeheartedly and still be able to listen to their perspective and understand like where they might be coming from. Um, that's what I reckon it is. Who should I interview next? Should you interview next? All right. I, Art Green would be a really good one. Otherwise, um, dang, that's a really good question. I would love to see you interview. Actually, I think I, I think I, sorry, Jake, I'm just going to have a look. I think I wrote down someone that I thought would be, oh, actually, you should interview um, Bryce Casey from The Rock. Bryce, yeah, I know Brycey. Brycey is the man. He's the man. Like he's obviously he's done so much work for um for mental health. Yeah. Awesome. Um and and just making it like a super relatable and open-ended conversation. Um Bryce, I I would be so excited to see you talk to Bryce, man. That would be so cool. So any last thoughts for the listeners, mate? This has been amazing. Just want to thank you, your openness, your honesty. Uh, it's been amazing. I've loved it. Um, Appreciate it, JK. I think um, no, I've, I, and even in moments like this, bro, like I feel like a, a a little a little kid again, just because like it's quite surreal that the people that I get the chance to talk to. Like, I'll tell you a funny story. I used to watch um, this documentary that you were in about Matt Ridge um, has changed from uh, rugby union to rugby league. Yeah, and you hosted it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I all and I would watch it all the time, bro. And I when I was like when I was playing rugby and and um, and I. This, this is going to sound so weird, man, but I was always a really good trainer. Like I was always really good at training and, and preparing and stuff. And for some reason I would watch that documentary all the time, like before I would go to training and stuff. I have no idea why, but I remember I just found you super relatable. I, I always thought like Reggie was, Reggie was a bit out the gate, but I always thought you were super cool. And so it's, um, it's a, it's a little bit of a full circle moment being able to talk to you, bro. And so I, I really appreciate you having me on, on the show. And it's so cool to finally meet you, man, because yeah, I've looked up to you for a long time, JK. And yeah, I just really love the work you're doing. Oh, thank you, mate. And I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, I think, um, my time's just about done and young, amazing people like you, it's, it's now your turn to pick up that, that mental health mantle and talk about it. And you've been doing that. 
So I appreciate what you've done. I'll just finish, I'll just end with this little story about that documentary. So Ricardo Salizzo and I couldn't get any funding for it. So we put 25 grand on his credit card and made it. Oh my God. We, we sold it afterwards for 27 grand. So we made a grand each. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's, that's the industry that you live in. You know, sometimes you just got to take the risk. Wow, it was a, it was a good doco, man. Good doco. I think you're the only one that liked it, but I appreciate it anyway. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> you've been amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, keep learning and growing. Keep being a great leader that you are. It's been a real pleasure, my friend. I appreciate it, JK. Thanks, brother. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Minded. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe. This podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts, so make sure you do that. <laughs> I don't need to tell you how, and then you'll get my new episode straight away. And if you can leave a review, tell everyone you know about it, it'd be awesome. If you could help spread the word about the show, thanks. But also, I'd love to get your feedback. You know, I'm new to this, I wanna get better, and I wanna know what you wanna know about mental well-being. So please reach out to us, and thanks, and I'll see you all soon.